Welcome to this podcast featuring well-known Bible teacher, Kevin Connor. For more information, visit kevinconnor.org. ...on the redemptive names of God, and uh, we went through basically four questions. Uh, does God have a name? What was the answer? Yes, the scriptures clearly show that God has a name. And our second question was, is God a name? Is God a proper name? What was the answer? No. And the third question is, has God revealed his name? The answer is yes. And then number four, uh, we looked at four particular saints who asked the question, what is, his na- what is his name? The patriarch Jacob. Did Jacob receive any answer? Did Jacob receive any answer? No. <laughs> Uh, Manoah, the Danite Manoah, did he receive any answer? Just that his name was a wonderful secret, it was wonderful. And the sevenfold prophecy of Agar, uh, did he receive any answer? No. And the prophet Moses, did he receive an answer? Yes, that's what we're looking at tonight, we want to pick that up. Now, Exodus chapter 3, and uh, we're going to read uh, the introductory verses again. And then just uh, pick up where we left off a couple of weeks ago. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he is afraid to look upon God. Going way down to verse 11 now. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When you have brought forth the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God upon this mountain. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And now we get the sublime answer. And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. And God said moreover unto Moses, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me unto you. This is my name for a couple of weeks. Just for the Jews, just for Israel. This is my name forever. And this is my memorial just to a few generations. This is my memorial unto all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say unto them, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac and Jacob, appeared unto me, saying, I have surely visited you and seen that which is done to you in Egypt. Okay, let's just remind ourselves of what we shared a few weeks back. Now, we're looking at the revelation of the name of God. 
the triune God, which we'll event, uh, eventually get to. And as I said last time, if you can just turn your wheel back with the visiting ministries we've had over the last couple of Thursdays, they've just been great. We want to note some of the, the threes that we have in this uh, passage of Scripture, the revelation of the triune God, three, or triunity, we say. Tri, speaking of three, unity, one. The triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, the Bible reveals that the revelation of the, of, of the God of the Bible is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One Godhead, but three persons in the one Godhead. Now, in Exodus, which we've just read here in this uh, very important chapter, the first word we mentioned uh, in this triunity here was the Hebrew word Elohim or Elohim as it's variously pronounced. We'll put that up here. In the beginning, God, in the beginning, Elohim or Elohim, however it's uh, variously pronounced. Now, as I said last time, three weeks back, we find that there are references that speak of God the Father as Al in the singular. And then there are references that speak of the Son, Al in the singular. A virgin shall conceive and bring forth the Son and call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Okay, Emmanuel. Uh, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty, and the word God there is El, the Mighty El in the singular. And then we have references where the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of El, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Elohim, the Spirit of God. So when we see this, and you'd have to look up Strong's Concordance or something like that, so the Father is El, the Son is our, the Holy Spirit is our. The Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God. So a revelation of God. But when our, our, our are put together, we have it in the plurality. So uh, the Hebrews say this word Elohim or Elohim uh, is a, and I'll say this uh, carefully here, it's a uni-plural word denoting plurality of divine persons but not stating how many. Okay, so let me say that again. So the very, very beginning of our Bible is in the beginning God, in the beginning Elohim. And the spirit of Elohim moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Elohim said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. So God created man in his image. Our image, our likeness, his image. His likeness, so it's used uh, in the singular, singular and the plurality. So Elohim is a Hebrew uniplural word denoting plurality of divine persons without stating how many. The Bible shows us ultimately that the uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were active in creation. So this is what we've got here. So when it says in Exodus chapter 3, um, verse 6, if you've got your Bible open there, moreover... He said, I am the God, I am the Elohim of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. It's this plural word here. So, in other words, in this revelation of God to Moses in the burning bush, we have this revelation of 
uh, unity and plurality, triune God. That's the revelation that we have. Now, the second thing we pick up here is God speaking, and he says, I am the God of Abraham. I am the God of Isaac. I am the God of Jacob. Now, as I said, and we just sort of wrapped up with that last time, these are the only three men, let me put it this way, a trinity of men, if you please. These are the only three men in the total biblical revelation that God is pleased to call himself the God of. Now he says, I'm the God of Adam, I'm the God of Elijah, and I'm, I'm the God of Noah, and I'm the God of Moses. But no three men does he ever pick out and say, I'm the God of these three men. So he picks out a trinity of men. Why? Why? Why does God do that? How many know that God doesn't do anything promiscuously? So it's this God revealed in the burning bush, Elohim, that is saying to Moses, take your shoes off your feet, you're on holy ground, I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Now, without, we could spend a whole night on this, but let me say this, that will explain this. Because we're leading up now to the man who receives the first part of the revelation of the triune name of God. And so, why does God say I'm the God of Abraham? Because Abraham manifests the characteristics of the Father God. Abraham's a father. God is a father. Isaac manifests the characteristics of the Son. And it's significant, for those of you who have not had some of this area, there are only two only begotten sons in the Scripture. Isaac, the only begotten son of the Old Testament, and Jesus the only begotten son of the New Testament. They are the only two only begotten sons in the total Bible. So Isaac manifests the characteristics of the son. And as I said, we could spend a whole night on the characteristics uh, of the father God that are manifested in the father Abraham. Covenant. Fatherhood. Only begotten son. Promises. Redemption. The father of all who believe. Isaac manifests the characteristics of the son. Jacob, and remember, when we say these things, we're not looking at any man as a perfect type. People say, oh, uh, this is perfect type. No, there's no such perfect type in the Bible. God had to use imperfect people to shadow forth his perfect son. So God had to use the imperfect to shadow forth the perfect. But in certain areas in their life, Jacob, and listen carefully to the language I'm using here, Jacob is the third person of this trinity of men. Isaac is begotten. Jacob is not begotten, but Jacob proceeded from the father through the son. And the significant thing about Jacob is, as the third person, he is the one that anoints Bethel, what's Bethel mean? Everybody know what Bethel means? House of God, he anoints Bethel with oil. He is the anointer. And he is the one that his name is changed to Israel. And it's a very significant thing, just digressing here. Uh, They were not called Abrahamites. They were not called Isaacites. They were called Israelites after the third person of this trinity of men. 
So there's much that could be said on that. So Abraham manifests the characteristics of the Father God. Isaac manifests some of the characteristics of the Son. And Jacob Israel manifests uh, the characteristics of the Holy Spirit in these areas. No perfect type, but God picked these three men out. So God speaking to Moses through the burning bush says, I'm the God of Abraham, I'm the God of Isaac, I'm the God of Jacob. So he picks out this trinity of men, whatever he's trying to communicate to Moses. Trinity of men. Now let me say this uh, one other point, then we'll move on to the next part here. All right, so we have three fathers. Three fathers. Elohim. A uni-plural word denoting plurality of divine persons, which we find the biblical revelation is triunity. Here we have three fathers, looking at the threes, this triunity. Now, how many believe that Abraham is a type of God the Father? How many believe Isaac's a type of the only begotten Son? All right, now one of the very important biblical principles is this, that in the Old Testament... God often got men to do typically what he himself was going to do actually. Let me say that again because it's a really important hermeneutical interpretive principle. God in the Old Testament often got men to do typically what he himself was going to do actually. So it's like God the Father said to Abraham, Abraham, you're a father. You're the beginning of the covenants of promises, the covenants of redemption, the promises. You're the father of all who believe. You have an only begotten son, Isaac. I want you to do typically with your only begotten son what I'm going to do actually with my only begotten son. And how significant it is, is that Abraham the father takes his only begotten son three days journey, ah, uh, why not one day, why not two days, why not ten days, three days journey, and offers him for a burnt offering on a specified mount, Mount Moriah. And the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, he, he received him from the dead in a figure. Three days journey, two witnesses, Mount Moriah, death and resurrection of the, only test, uh, the Old Testament only begotten son. So what I'm saying is, God the Father said to Abraham, your father, I want you to do typically with your only begotten son what I'm going to do actually with my only begotten son. The same is true of the Holy Spirit. How many think the Bible could be inspired? <laughs> Hallelujah. All right, let's move on to the next one now. The next triunity we have here, and we could take this uh, two ways, but we'll put it this way. We have the bush, the root out of dry ground, the bush. It could go either way. They baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire, or our God is a consuming fire. Either way, we're sort of safe here. Let's put it over here. We put it over there. It's a triunity distinguishable but indivisible. And then there came the voice out of the bush. So root out of dry ground, burning it unconsumed, as I said that night. The miracle of the sun, burning it unconsumed, fire. How many, how many used to be Presbyterian here? 
What was the symbol of the Presbyterian Church? I was Presbyterian for two years. What's the symbol of the Presbyterian? How many think the fire's gone out and it's a heap of ashes now? What are you doing here, Vi? You like a little bit of fire, don't you? Glory to God. Get some of that starch washed out of you in water baptism and get on fire. But I used to be Presbyterian. I thought, wow, what a symbol. Burning bush yet unconsumed. And the voice of God, the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking out of the bush. Try unity. So he said, I'm the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. All right, the last uh, triunity I want to bring out here is this, and it's found in verse 14. All right, now in verse 13, just reminding you, uh, Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come to the children of Israel, and shall say unto the God of your fathers have sent me unto you, and they say to me, What is his name? What will I say to them? As we said that night, we need to re-emphasize it. It was no use Moses going down to Egypt and saying, God sent me. Not another God. We've got so many gods in Egypt. They'll say, what is his name? Now, it meant that Moses had to have some distinct name that no other God in the universe, none of the false gods could claim. And so in verse 14, God gave him that. And Elohim, now it's this triunity, Elohim said unto Moses, and this is what the uh, once a, uh, Orthodox Jew gets saved and know the, the glory of the uh, redemption. This is what they put. I am, referring to the Father, that or who I am. And the most significant thing about this, and we may pick this up later on, this Let's, let's go to verse, um, verse 14 again, yes. And God said, Elohim said unto Moses, I am that or who I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. Now it's a very significant thing that this name, I am, and we'll try and get on to the, the significance of it, this I am who I am or I am has sent me unto you, it's never ever used again in the Old Testament. Never once. In verse 15, he changes I am who I am or I am has sent me unto you and he substitutes what Moses can say. Moses actually never says down there to Pharaoh or in Egypt, I am. This is the only time it's ever used, but there's something that's the equivalent that God puts in Moses' mouth, which we'll look at. Now, that's Old Testament. When we come to the New Testament, who is the one that over and over again says, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. Before Abraham was, I am. And when they came to arrest Jesus in the garden, he said, whom seek you? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. He said, I am. And he must have said it in such a way that it zapped him. Because you and I could say, I am all day and nobody would fall over. But when he said it, they fell backwards. You know, powerful soldiers. It was the name of the burning bush. How significant that it's the Lord Jesus Christ is the only one in the New Testament that ever says that. And it's just a powerful study to go through all the I am's of Jesus.
And when he said, before Abraham was, I am, they took up stones to stone him. Why? Because that was the incommunicable, the unutterable name of God. They must have had some significance of its meaning because they took up stones to stone him because of a mistaken interpretation of Leviticus that if anybody uttered the name of God, they were to be stoned with stones. So he said, I am, and they took up stones to stone him. So Jesus fills in this, I am who? The mysterious revelation of this person before the incarnation. I am, I am, I am. Only used once in the Old Testament and used a number of times in the Gospels by the Lord Jesus himself only. And the moment he used that name, it makes him equal, co-equal with the Father and the Holy Spirit. How many believe that Jesus is God? Hallelujah. I am. Now I want you to go over to Exodus chapter 12 for a moment, then we'll come back to Exodus 3. How many understanding what I'm saying tonight? Okay. Is this too heavy? In Exodus chapter 12, now, remember Moses has asked the Lord what his name is, and we're going to come back to that, the first part, and then pick it up again. Um, it was no use Moses going down to Egypt and saying, God has sent me. God must have a name. It must be a unique name. It must be a name that's different to all the names of the God of, gods of Egypt. And in Exodus chapter 12 and verse 12, it's the latter part we're particularly after. And the Lord says, I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now, if you just take your sheets here, I'm not going to read this, but uh, Neil Ryan has done an excellent job. Now you'll notice down about on page one here, down God's judgment upon Egypt, uh, every one of the plagues was a judgment of the true God against the gods of Egypt. And so as we see a second paragraph on uh, God's judgment, Egypt is now to be overwhelmed by ten plagues. As the majority of the gods of Egypt were nature gods in one form or another, uh, Jehovah, J-H-W-H, uh, Jehovah's power was not to be demonstrated in, a creati in creative might and the powerlessness of Egyptian deities crushed. Number one, the sacred Nile River was changed into blood. Thus the God of this sacred lifeline being the blood of Osiris was totally humiliated. Two, the plague of frogs, the great goddess, wife of the god Canum whatever, is here divinely exposed. Lice, they were lousy, uh, to say the least. Uh, in the palace, the finger of God, he had directed the blow to the earth god Seb. Four, swarms of flies, or more probably the sacred scarab, emblem of the sun god Ra, but none dared to crawl in the land of Goshen. Uh, only the sons of Aaron. Five, death of the domestic animals, the moraine. This pointed rod of God's retribution was directed against Apis, the sacred Egyptian bull of the god Ptah. 
Eighth or goddess of love or, or, or love of and joy was also crushed, for she was commonly represented as a cow. Uh, six, ashes, dust and boils, the lion-headed goddess Sekhmet, something like that, was believed to be capable of creating and ending epidemic diseases. The sacred priesthood were devoted to her. Now they were greatly distressed in their inability to suppress the plague and to assuage her anger, the goddess of health. And Nayat was also discomfited. Likewise, the evil Typhon and Imhoptep, something of the god of the healing arts. Seven, hail and fire, a terrifying warning from Jehovah, unique god of the Hebrews, for hail was never known in Egypt. This demonstrated God's fearful power and was clearly directed against the god of the atmosphere, sure and nut, his sky goddess. Also, Isis and Seth, responsible for their care of agricultural crops. Eight, locusts from the east. Uh, against the god Serapia, protector from locusts, brought great dread and fear upon all the functionaries of this pagan deity. And in nine, darkness, the ninth plague stripped the great god Ra, the sun god of all his glory. He was left to, blind to grope in the darkness of despair among all his deluded devotees. Am, Ammon, Ra, the ram, and his wife Mutt. Oh, come here, you Mutt. Uh, <laughs> How many like our names better than this? Deified gods of the sun were also lost. Like I, Horus, what a name, often symbolized by the wings of sun disks and so forth. And then the tenth plague. So down the bottom of page two, three aspects of these miraculous events are noted. One, the progression of intensity. Frogs, insects, disease and dust storm darkness were known in Egypt but never with such controlled intensity. Two, the prediction. The fact that Moses predicted both arrival and departure of the plagues shows them to be set apart as miracles and not simply natural occurrences. Three, the plagues were uncommonly discriminatory. In the land of Goshen, where the children of Israel lived, there were no flies. That's a miracle, isn't it? No cattle died, no hail fell. And I think one of the most remarkable things is that in the land of Egypt, there is darkness for three days. But in the, in the uh, in land of Goshen, the children of Israel had light. I mean, that's a miracle. I'd be running out of the darkness to the light, if you, wouldn't you, if you had any sense? And then number 10, the death of the firstborn, uh, down the bottom, para. Uh, the, de the death of Pharaoh's son was no silent, pointless passing. A great wail and cry went up through the halls of the palace. The one born of the gods, lifeless and limp, Son of Ra, Horus the god king was now without heir. Min, god of procreation, where are you? Isis, power of fertility, you have failed. And is fulfilling all that he said in Exodus 12, 12. Upon all the gods of Egypt I will execute my judgment. I am the Lord. How many think that's a real good uh, article? Are you pleased to have that? Okay, let's go back to Exodus chapter 3. Now, I want you to uh, listen carefully here to what we're saying. Let's uh, slow down a little bit. So verse 13, And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you, and they shall say unto me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. 
Uh, it's a very significant thing while on this verse that in Mark's gospel, I think it is, Jesus said that in the last days there would be false prophets and false Christs and many would come in my name saying, I am. How many have ever heard of the I am cult? Okay, it's not too powerful, praise God, but there is an I am cult who claim to be this and they go around saying, I am, I am, I am. Nobody falls over, of course. I am. And it's an I am cult that are fulfilling that prophecy of Jesus that many would come in my name saying, I am. Matthew says, many would come in my name saying, I am Christ, I am anointed. But there is an I am cult. And you see, you know what it's doing? Let me just read off some of my notes. What, what, before we go to verse 15, what do you think... And, you know, God, God has to help us here and sort of, you know, grant the spirit of wisdom and revelation to sort of comprehend what the Lord's saying here. Because what, what does this name mean to you? What does it really signify? It, what does it signify? Let me give you some theological words what are involved in this name. And put down this as A, just to be good uh, order here. This name signifies eternality, eternality of being. I am, not I was. Now the name Jehovah, so that I will be what I will be, according to man's need, but but here the thought, the initial thought of its eternality of being, not I was or I will be, but I am. That's eternity of being. That's what's comprehended in that name. And our, our Western mind is often so, is so far removed from these things. It, 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 I'll read off my note here. Um, God here first expresses or declares himself in his own essential being and nature. He expresses who or what he is in himself. I am that I am. Then he takes this self-expression of himself and says, Thus shalt thou say, I am hath sent me unto you. This name expresses, firstly, eternity. Eternality, as I've got here, without beginning, without end. No creature, no man, no angel, no created thing could ever say, I am. I mean, they could, but you wouldn't believe them. I am comprehends one eternally present God, which includes time past, time present, time future, in other words, eternity. He who was, he who is, he who is to come, he that ever will be. Okay, enough uh, theology on that part. The thing that this name expresses is self-existence. In fact, some of the other translations uh, bring this thought, I am, I am the self-existent one. I am he who exists by myself. I do not owe my existence to another 
and everything in the universe depends upon me for their existence. So this I am expresses self-existence. He exists by himself, in himself, of himself. He doesn't know his existence to anybody. We've got that. Then we also have three other attributes, and then uh, so it's not too heavy theologically for you. This name involves omnipotence, the three omnis. Omnipotence, all-powerful, and he was going to prove that, as we've seen in the, in the, in the judgment on the gods, it expresses uh, omnipresence. God is everywhere present. And it expresses omniscience. God knows all things at all times. That's all that's involved in I am that I am. Eternality of being, self-existence, omnipotence, omnipresence, omniscience. That's what's involved in I am. Only God could say it. And all that's uh, involved in that. All right, now let's go back to verse 15. We've just got a few more moments. I've got five more minutes by my watch. Is that right, everybody? Okay, great. Now, in verse 15, as I said now, when Moses goes down to Pharaoh, he never once says, I am. Never once. It's never said again in the whole of the Old Testament. It's never said again till the New Testament, and that by Jesus. Now, in verse 15, and God said, and it's a pity our English translation doesn't bring some of this out, Elohim said moreover unto Moses, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, What? The Lord God. The Lord God. Now let me put it up here because the board's run out of space here. The Lord God. Not God. The Lord God. And we have the equivalence of this. We have uh, Jehovah or what the Hebrews call the, the, uh, the holy tetragrammaton, the Four-letter word, J-H-V-H, because the Hebrew uh, had no vowels. J-H-V-H, some say Yahweh. Oh, I forget how you spell that anyway. Uh, anyway, you know how. And then the, the equivalent that we have in our English language is Lord. So Jehovah, J-H-V-H, uh, the sacred four letters, the... Holy Tetragrammaton, the Hebrews call it, or Yahweh, or I am that I am. So from now on, instead of saying I am who I am, or I am hath sent me, that's never said again, from now on over 6,823 times, if you want to count them and prove me wrong, go ahead. But 6,823 times this name is used. The Lord, Jehovah, you have different other names for Lord, Adonai, and so forth, but on this one, check your Strong's Concordance. Over 6,823 times, I think it is. Anyway, that's enough. And he says, the Lord is my name. This is my name forever, my memorial for all generations. So running ahead here, we're eventually going to look at the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in relation to the triune God. But Moses is the one that gets the foundation revelation. The Lord, Jehovah. Now I want you to go over to Exodus 6.
Everybody understood what I've said so far? We'll pick this up next week. I'll just read the scripture because there's too much just to skip through. Exodus chapter 6. Moses has been down to Egypt and he's gone down with the name of the Lord in his lips. And ever since he's gone down, things have got tough. Why don't you look at uh, Exodus 5 and verse 22 to lead into it. And Moses returned unto the Lord and said, Lord, wherefore hast thou so evil entreated this people? Why is it that you've sent me? So he's on for a real gripe. Don't blame him. For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, this name that you revealed to me at the burning bush, this name that expressed all your attributes, this name that you said you'd work by, he has done evil to this people, neither have you delivered your people at all. Things have just got worse. How many found that when you did get a revelation of the name of God, things got worse? Not too many. You haven't been around long enough. Some of you are too young to understand the price that some of us paid for a revelation on his name. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now shall you see what I will do to Pharaoh, for with a strong hand shall he let them go, and with a strong hand shall he drive them out of his land. And God spake unto Moses and said unto him, I am Jehovah, margin capitalized, I am the Lord. And I appeared unto Abraham and unto Isaac, oh here it is again, and unto Jacob by the name of God Almighty. But by my name, what? Jehovah was I not known unto them. We'll pick this up next week. Come back next week for this exciting episode. Let's all stand. Yes, I've already told you to change your clocks. Elaine's reminding me the second time in the mouth of two or three witnesses. Don't be late Sunday morning. Don't be early. <laughs> uh, working bee, Saturday, right. Don't forget we want working bee on the gardens down here. Let's not slough off on our working bee and our responsibility around the building. Please, let's bow in prayer. Father, we just thank you for the glory of your precious word. We thank thee for the revelation of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ and that he is the I Am, available to meet every need of man because of covenant and because of redemption. We pray, Father, that the things that we share on the glory of your redemptive name, that the Holy Spirit would just come upon us and that the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of yourself and the eyes of our understanding will be enlightened, that we may be able to comprehend more of the glories of your redemptive name. We are your covenant people. Seal your word to our hearts and let your presence be with us until we gather again. We ask it in the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. Be sure to visit kevinconnor.org for more information about Kevin, his books and his ministry.